Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary, And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. everybody. It's a daily dose pre-record that we are really excited to bring to you. We have with us a new to us person, but I feel like we have a lot of things in common. Sydney Flock. Hi, Sydney. Hi, it's nice to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. We're excited to have you. Um, you're probably, do you think she's our youngest guest? I think maybe you are, Sydney. Our, our son is a little bit younger, but he's not in okay. a recovering person. So sure. yeah, I think you might be our youngest guest, which is, I think, really important because I think it's easy to, it's easy to think we understand what addicts look like and when it happens in life and how it happens. And what we keep learning Thursday after Thursday after Thursday is that while a lot of the commonalities are the same person to person. Every single person's experience is unique. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and that's, that's the, the, I don't want to say cool thing. It's the crazy thing about addiction. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't just pick one kind of person or one demographic or, you know, one, it, it, it doesn't discriminate any, any one person can fall victim to addiction. And it's, um, it doesn't matter where you came from or who you are or, or really even where you're headed, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. So you said something right before we got on that I think is really, really important. So I, I'm going to prompt you with the beginning of it and then you can yes. finish it. You said that earlier in your recovery, you never would have come on and done this. So why yeah. in the world are you doing this now? <laughs> hmm. Um, like I said, I, I would have never come on and done anything like this early on in my recovery, mostly because I, I feel like early on in our recovery, a lot of people are really embarrassed about the things that they did um, or didn't do or said or anything like that. And one thing that I have learned is that if we, if we aren't going to talk about it, if we aren't willing to talk about it, or if we can't talk about it, we aren't recovering from it, um, whatever that may be. And when you can talk about it, you can accept personal responsibility and that's what can get you out of that living in shame and guilt and embarrassment because if you just keep it in here it's all going to stay in here um and, and the more stuff stays in you become more you know you're just so trapped in these thoughts yeah. and these things that you wish you could say but you can't um i don't remember what step that is but it's it's a step and it's admitting all of your wrongs to someone. And if you can't, you know, and that's a step in recovery and you have to be able to admit the things that you did that were wrong, you know, and, and if you can't, then you got to work on that. You know, it, it's, it's all a work in progress. It's all those things that you just, you have to be able to talk about them because the worst thing that I did, I guarantee somebody else did something worse that they don't want to say, you know, nobody does good things when you're in addiction. Yeah, no, it's true. And it's such a, again, such a powerful reminder that 
this is such an odd thing to say, but for those of you who are on the other side and in recovery, I, I think you're sort of lucky because you get the privilege of working through all of this. Someone who doesn't have to go through the 12 steps yep. doesn't have to ever really take accountability for anything because we don't have that thing that we can say, when I was under the influence of fill in the blank, I was right. a person and I want to apologize for that or I want to acknowledge it or whatever. We don't have to do that, but we all have people we need to apologize to. We all have done things in our lives we should be working to overcome. And right. you who are brave enough and fortunate enough to get into recovery are doing it. I just have so much admiration for this work because I know from watching it, I know how hard it is. I mean, for me too, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's when you follow these, I mean, some people think it's, it's, it's kind of hokey and some people explain it as hokey, but just from what you just said, it's a clear example of how you're supposed to live your life or whether or not you're addicted. It's, you know, to atone for your mistakes, to admit that right. you're wrong. That's, to me, that's some of the best form of totally free therapy I've ever had. <laughs> you know, I agree because, and that's a thing too, is personal responsibility, you know, and you can use that in every aspect of yeah. your life. It just makes you, you know, feel better and you get on with yes. other people better. Yes, I agree. You know, you've got this, you're like, I'm sorry that I said that I shouldn't have acted that way and you can just move on. But for whatever reason, it seems like that's very hard. You know, it seems like um, until people are forced to yeah. do that or they have to, or unless your life is falling apart or somebody's going to leave, people don't want to have to do that. Yep. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So Sydney, let's let's go back to the first question we would normally ask, which is just <laughs> how did you get from there to here and start your there wherever you want to start it? Yeah, so um, I'm currently 28 years old. I um, I went through high school and all of my teen years. I, I didn't party. I didn't drink. I didn't do anything until about a month before I turned 17. Um, 18. I lied. Once I turned 18, uh, my life just kind of went everywhere. You know, um, I started smoking weed, started, you know, going to some parties, things like that. It was your normal, like kind of like 18 year old things. Um, until, you know, one day I was, I, I was at my friend's house and She's like, hey, I'm getting some heroin. Do you want to try some? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, sure. You know, I'd done everything else basically. So I was like, why not this? So, um, so I did. And I, I kept doing it. Um, and I don't think that, actually, I know for a fact that you don't realize in that moment that you will become physically dependent on something. Um, and that it will literally happen like that. I mean, it takes within two months, I was an IV user. I was, um, using, I, I, I would, the reason what I was told is because you'll get more high. It's cleaner. It'll last longer. 
you'll feel better, blah, blah, blah. So I did it. I'm like, oh yeah, that'll be way better. And I loved it. You know, you do that and you don't go back. And it, it is, that was honestly the point of no return was introducing that level of usage into my life. Um, I was with a man who was almost 10 years older than me. Um, he had a very long history of drug addiction, um, federal prison. He used to make meth a lot. He was very good to me. Um, you know, we never, it was never an abusive relationship, um, but it was all centered around drugs. And I ended up getting married to him in the height of my addiction. I ended up getting divorced from him when he was in prison. And it was just because I had this cloudy mindset. You know, I, I was so set in like, these drugs, this is my life. I'm fine. I'm not being abused. So it's okay. Um, and that was far from the truth and the reality of the things that were actually happening, you know? Um, and I just got so sucked into this addiction and I, I was losing my family. I had lost my two very best friends. The only people I was around were the people I was using with. And it was just, it was day in, day out. It was from morning to night. I can't go through withdrawals. I have to do this. Um, you know, and it ended up becoming like free from my drug dealer because we were finding people to buy from her. So then she would give to us for free. So then we never had to buy anything. So then it was like, I oh, ask you how you afforded a habit like that. So that well, makes some sense. Free habit. Yes. Wow. Right. And, you know, and so then it just all started like spiraling. And, it, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's all coming together. Right. I, I can get this for free if I do this. I can, you know. And it, it was just, it was insane. And then she got in trouble legally and we had no more connection. So then, you know, we were like, what are we going to do? Well, the only other thing to do was then to switch from heroin to meth um, because why quit? <laughs> um, so, you know, then it was like, well, the only way to combat heroin withdrawals, you, you have to do meth. It's the opposite. It'll help. Um, so then that led me down another very awful road mm. um, of meth addiction, you know, and, the, and there was no question. I wasn't going to smoke it. I wasn't going to snort it. I was only going to do drugs if it could go in my arm. And I think at that point I was so addicted to the act of shooting up that I was just like, this is all I want to do. You know, it was this whole process. Um, the process of getting high and the process of actually doing it was what I was so addicted to. And I did it. I did meth for a long time. I was, you know, up for days living in this awful house, like around these people that I just was like, why am I even here? You know, but I thought I'm like, I'm living the life. I got a job. It's fine. And it was, I was far from fine. Um, one day finally went up to my mom and I said, I can't do this anymore. I have to go to treatment because I don't know, I don't know what else to do. Um, so I, she said, yeah, pack your bags, let's go. So, uh, she took me to Prairie and I went to Prairie. I stayed in, I was, I was in, in patient treatment in the hospital, in the psych ward, you know, and they kept me there while I detoxed. And then I went to outpatient treatment where they, where you stay at the apartments that they have. Yeah. And, and I, I stayed there and it was really cool and I yeah. loved it. And I was like, can I just stay here? Like, 
<laughs> and so I, I was there, I was there for almost two months and it was really great. I really enjoyed it. You know, I went there on my own accord, which I feel like is where people have to get, you know, they have to get to that desperation of, yeah. I cannot do this, help me. And so I went to treatment, got out, um, multiple relapses. It, it was, and it was just like, I had this clear mind, but then I relapsed because I didn't know how to live sober. And I went back to my same environment or the same people because I didn't have new friends. I mean, I didn't have new people. I was like, this is my life. You know, how am I supposed to start over? I don't get this. And, you know, multiple relapses. And I, I met my, my child's father. I'm not with him anymore, but I met him. And we used together for a while, um, but we moved out of Fargo. We moved to Barnesville. We used for a little bit there. And we finally said after, it was about a year, year and a half, he had overdosed, um, died in his bedroom. And I, you know, we had to get the ambulance there and everything. And finally we were like, okay, we have to be done. And um, we moved, we moved to Wapiton where we knew nobody we didn't know one single person and we were like this is where we have to go somewhere where we don't know anybody and build new connections and just build an entirely new life so we did we we you know we came to Wapiton um we used for maybe a couple months here but not long we got jobs at the factory and we started working rotating shifts we just we just started working because we knew we did not want to use drugs anymore yeah um you know so we started working of course when you start working rotating shift you start drinking more <laughs> so out goes the drugs in comes the alcohol because that's not my problem right yeah. um that was okay for a while and of course two addicts who turn to drinking never results in healthy relationship ever um you know we went through a lot we got through a lot we had our child and it was still it it was just something that we couldn't be together anymore and so you know I left I continued drinking awful awful and a year ago on August 30th I decided that I needed to quit drinking because I wasn't remembering things. I wasn't being the mom I needed to be. I wasn't eating supper. I was forgetting if I was like doing these things for my child. And I was just drinking all the time. Like, I can't wait to get off and drink. I can't, you know, like, oh, can I have a beer on my lunch break while I'm on lunch for an hour? Mm, you know, and it's like, no, you can't. That's not okay. You can't be forgetting these things. Or if you're taking care of your kid, you can't, you can't do that. You're an addict. This is not okay. And so I told myself I have to quit. So I did. And I, it was very hard, very emotional because it's like, what am I going to fall back on now? What am I going to do when I'm bored? What am I going to do after work? What am I going to, how am I going to socialize with friends and with people? And I, I'm not going to go to the bar anymore. I can't drink at a bonfire. What am I going to do? You know? So like, I thought my life was over and it turns out <laughs> my life is not over. Um, it sounds so cliche, but it literally just began because yeah. I am free of all of the things that were holding me down or all of these things that 
I thought were making me more fun or more interesting were actually making me worse. I mean, people couldn't stand to be around me after an hour I'd been drinking, you know, because it was just like, this girl, you know, and nobody wants to be that girl. Nobody wants to be that person. And it was just such a problem. And now I'm here. I just realized that I can't be that person. I for not only myself, but for my kid, my child and my child's three and a half and my child doesn't deserve that. You know, um, he doesn't deserve to live a life knowing what addiction is or a hungover mother is or somebody who's high or been up for days. That's just not what children deserve. And so, I mean, he ultimately saved my life without, without my three-year-old knowing it, he saved my life because had I not gotten pregnant, I would have never stopped drinking. I would have never, you know, been so concerned with myself had it not been for him, but really realizing that I should have always worried about myself in the first place. You know, we don't think that because that's selfish, you know, but now I'm here and, you know, it's kind of like you said, I'm very grateful that I was or am an addict um, because there's a lot of things that I would have never learned about myself or the world had I not been that person or seen those things or been in those situations. Um, You know, I'm grateful for it every day, but it's still a struggle. You know, there's still things, there's still times, there's still stuff, you know, that we all deal with or dreams or anything but more than anything I am very grateful for my addiction and my recovery because I get to come on places like this and I get to help people and inspire people and let them know that recovery is possible it doesn't matter if you only used for three years or 10 years or however long or if it was drugs or alcohol it doesn't matter you can make it out yeah wow Bravo. Congratulations Congratulations. on two sobriety dates. That's incredible. Thank you. (laughs) Really remarkable. Thank you. I feel like in 28 years, you've lived more life than I've lived in 48 years. I I was just thinking, I I like to think when I was 28, I, I, I had it all squared away, but I didn't. And you are a far more squared away 28 year old than I ever was. (laughs) Well, you know, we all, we all have those times, right? Like those things. And I feel like through my childhood, you know, my parents were divorced. I was an only child. I grew up very fast. Um, you know, those kinds of things I, you know, I had to be more adult like sooner on in my life. And so, you know, I just, I feel like once I hit that acceleration point of, oh my gosh, I can finally be an adult by myself. I just like, hit it. You know, I was like, I'm free. I can just do all these things. Nobody knows. I don't look like an addict. I don't look like I am a junkie. And that was kind of exhilarating to me to be able to like hide it, you know, and be this person that I'm not supposed to be. Yeah. You know, it was kind of fun in a way, but also very debilitating you know, the lies you have to tell and keep up with and the image and the things, it's just so chaotic. And living a life like that is so 
crippling in yeah. so many different ways. I said, I think I, I, I would agree with you. I think one of the most liberta- liberating things that happened to me when I was sober, I was, I was probably close to a year sober and I was talking to someone, I can't remember who it was. It might've been my, it might've been my um, sponsor, but he just said to me, don't you feel it's great that you don't, he said to me, when was the last time you lied? Don't you feel it's liberating? And I didn't notice that. My God, yes. It is the most liberating yes. feeling in the world. Just to, someone asks you something, you just tell them the truth. It's It still is. It hasn't got old. I know. And you, you don't feel guilty. You're and not seven like. Months and it's still awesome to just tell someone the truth. Yes. Or like not having to try and remember. Did I say yeah. that? Yeah. What did I say? You don't have to because you're just telling the truth. Well, and <laughs> exactly. Present, it's fantastic. You're present through your whole life. Yeah. yeah. I, can't you're believe, not. I can't believe this still, the amount of things, you know, we'll see a movie preview for an old movie and Maz will say, oh, I never saw that movie. And I'll say, yeah. we absolutely saw that movie. He has no memory. Yeah. I mean, so we were together 13 years before he got sober he wasn't, I don't think, an alcoholic through all of that, but we were together. So right. we had a lot of life experience. I would really love to know how much of those years he doesn't remember. Right. Because either he was so consumed by alcohol or he was so consumed with trying to not be consumed with I think alcohol. It's a mixture of the both. There. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I know I have said this before, but I just think it bears so much truth in these conversations. When Bill Clinton was being impeached, a rabbi came on some morning program and said, look, when you tell a lie, you have to tell the lie over and over and over and over again. And it becomes more and more elaborate in an effort to make it seem true. When you tell the truth, you tell it once and it's, that's the end of it. You can keep telling the same thing over and over and over again because it's the truth. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And exactly. To to live with an addict is to also live in an absolute tsunami of lies. Yeah. You're yeah. you're receiving them, you're trying to manage them, you're lying yeah. to other people to try to protect them. It's just if if I was exhausted as the sober person living through it, I can't imagine what you two lived through in an effort to be normal. Right. Well, and yeah. too, I don't think, you know, like at the time when we're in active addiction, I don't, we don't really realize that that's what we're doing sometimes. I think we just, we just want to stay in that active addiction. So how can I stay here yeah, in the best possible safe. way? Yeah. Yeah. And that becomes and your that, lie too. So you end up lying to yourself. So you don't really right. know who you are. Right. You know, my dad, he's a my dad is a recovering alcoholic of almost 15 years now. Um, and he he's married, you know, to my stepmom. And it was the same thing, you know, it was like lies and these things, and you know, so then these things are coming up, and she's like, Okay, so what about this time though? I remember that time when you said this, but then it's almost like, well, they don't even know the truth, you know, and so many lies. And then even if something is the truth, you don't even know if you can believe that. Cause then you're like, well, he lied to me before. 
and, and the amount of time that it took, you know, for me to even build back up the trust with my mom, my dad, you know, I was stealing change from my mom. She, she gives herself um, allergy shots once a week. So what did she have on hand? She had needles. I was taking those, you know, without telling her or like taking their spoons. And I always thought nobody knows, nobody knows. Everybody knows, yeah, you know, and I, I think we try to, we know that we're in our active addiction. We shouldn't be, but how can I stay here for as long as possible in the best possible way without having other people too mad at me? Yeah. Which again, I think is just, um, an exaggeration of other experiences that everybody goes through. Right. If if you, if you are, you know, talking bad about your friend and your friend Mm -hmm. finds out about it and says, did you say that about me? No, we immediately revert to lying. We immediately try to put, pass it off as something else or, oh no, they misunderstood or, I mean, it's, it's human nature. I'm sure you see it with your three-year-old little kids learn really quickly. You know, did you eat that cookie? No, no. Well, where did it go? I don't know. Yeah, it's in your tummy. Yeah. You know, I mean, they they learn it very, very soon. Yes. And I don't know that it's learned behavior. I think it's intuitive to us to cover our tracks if we right. believe that someone's going to be disappointed in us or angry at us. So mm-hmm. there, you you both and all of the other people we've spoken to just live a much more magnified version of that because in my lifetime I've spent very little time in that sort of place where someone is really questioning my actions or my words and when I'm an addict that's all anybody's doing Mm -hmm. and from the outside you think you're doing it to help you think well if I can just make you see it then you'll stop but that's not possible I don't think Maybe for some people, but it certainly was not possible at our house. I, wow, I was doing everything I could to force you to see it and it got us nowhere. What else could you do really? And the trouble is, you know, we, we, I mean, I didn't really notice it, know it at the time. You lie to yourself so badly, you think it's the truth and you don't understand why someone in your mind is badgering you when they, they're not, they want to help. And of course, right. voices get raised, and that you, you perceive that as uh, as as an argument. And then, where do you, what do you do to try and alleviate the stress? You you step away and right. drink, and drink. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, or if people don't try to help, you know, then we're like, well, do they not care about me? Yeah, and then you feel right. depressed, and so, right. so you're just right. like, who cares? And you know, yeah. All right, so you are a year and a few. You're a year and a week sober. Yeah. Yes, oh, from alcohol, great. but I'm five years sober from hard drugs, oh, which is that's, just that's exceptional. Fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah. So thank you. So Sydney, what are your um, dreams and aspirations going forward? What what do you what do you use as the sort of carrot to keep you on this side of addiction and not to slip back? Yeah. So w- one of the major things that I keep telling myself is that do you remember who you were do you remember the withdrawals the detox the hangovers the crappy apartments the friends that you 
don't have anymore that you thought were your friends, all of the money you wasted, all of the stuff you put in your body. I think about that and I'm like, do I ever want to go back to that? There's five minutes. That first beer tastes real good. That, you know, first hit would probably be pretty good. I'd probably feel really great. But after that, no, I'd feel good for 0.5 seconds, you know, and I have to remind myself that. And I think every addict thinks that, you know, I, I could be fine. It would be okay. Just one time. It'll be okay. You know, one drink, it's fine, but it's not fine because we're not okay. And the one thing that I always remember or tell myself is that if I wanted to get out so bad, why, why would I go back? Yeah. yeah. There was a reason I wanted out. So why would I go back? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's so interesting that drugs and alcohol are sort of like al alcohol in particular is sort of the thing that people really try to tempt people who don't drink to go back to it. Well, just have one. You can have one. Won't you be fine with one? Why in the world would we do that? Nobody would, would say to you, just try meth one more time and see if it affects you. Fine. Right. Nobody no. would do that. Nobody in their right mind, nobody on the sober nobody. side of the, of the path no. would encourage no. you to mm -mm. take more meth. I mean, mm -hmm. I would hope nobody would encourage anyone to take meth, whether it's because I mean, of yeah. a recovery position from it or not. Nobody should right. do meth. Nobody should be pushing alcohol. I, I'm shocked at the times that it gets brought up to Mazza. Well, don't you think you could yeah. probably drink? And his answer is always. Yeah, I, well, I, I, I might, but I don't want to lose everything I've got. So I'm not yeah. going to. Yeah, why tempt it? Yeah, who, I, it's, why? It isn't worth the risk to me. For no. Everything I gained back and have now, this is the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. Right. And, and, I, and to throw it all away. And I didn't lose anything. I, I ended up gaining more. My marriage is better. My relationship with our son is better. My relationship at work is well on the way to be mended. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and it's, to think to go back to that and then lose everything that you've repaired or that you've built. It's just, you know, I guess maybe some people don't have the opportunity to rebuild or maybe they don't have, you know, like the support yeah. that we do. And that's why I want to be able to use my recovery as a voice for people that you can do it. There is a way. Yeah. I can help you use me as an inspiration or people like you or just anybody, you know, people like us, we, we have to speak out. We have to be this light for people because I think so many people think they're alone or they don't know where to start. Or if I quit drinking, what am I going to do? You know, I've had people ask me, do you want to drink? And I have to say, no, how many times I'd love to say yes. I have to say no. And how good you feel about yourself when you could go out and then come home and be like, I didn't drink. I didn't even drink. <laughs> Not one. Yep. <laughs> you know, and you wake up the next morning and you're like, I feel good. I don't have to worry. Like, oh my gosh, did I say something to somebody? Did I, what did I do outside last night? You know, like, <laughs> and so, it's just, yeah. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but so you're 28, which is sort of the perfect age. You're, you're young, you're friggin' cute as a damn button. (laughs) You are, you must have, I mean, you must have a little bit of income because you're gainfully employed. Mm -hmm. These, these are prime years to be out and about whooping it up at bars and drinking at bonfires and all of that. So how in the world, Sydney, do you live in Wahpeton, North Dakota, where I lived until I was 15? Yeah. <laughs> a pretty small community by all intents and standards. It's a cute one. Though. It's, it's cute, cute but it's how cute. in the world do you live in Wahpeton, North Dakota and maintain sobriety? And and how can you, how can somebody else do it too? Because I really feel like you do have a real opportunity here to be be a beacon for someone else your yeah. age. We're way past your age. Somebody could look right. at us and say, well, that's, yeah, I'll think about sobriety in my 40s. I'm going to leave it <laughs> up in my 20s. How, yeah. how can you do this? So, um, you, you know, a lot for me was like, okay, I had my run. I'm done. You, you know, part of me feels like in order for somebody to feel like they're done, they do have to have that run. Whatever they feel like, however long it needs to be, you know, people do have to have that run. You have to have that experience of living it up, going out, making a few mistakes. I'm not saying that everybody needs to like throw away their life and become an alcoholic and then go through recovery. Please don't take it that way. <laughs> um, you know, but for those people that are on that path, I feel like they do have to take that path for a certain amount of time. Um, you know, I, I did my time in my partying, my drug use and my drinking. I did that. But how I stay sober is that I decided that I am only going to surround myself with the people that will only help me be better. People that are only going to serve me and the people that I can serve. I can't help somebody who's going out drinking every night. And that's the way that they want to live. And that's what they want to do. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be friends with you. No judgment. Cause your yeah. people are allowed to do what they want to do, yep. but you're not for me. And that's fine. And I have decided to become very selective in who I give my time to. And some people might consider that rude or standoffish or something like that. But I don't hang out with people that go party. I just don't. I, I have made it my goal that I birds of a feather flock together. Okay. Yeah. You can, I heard this thing one time, you, you can only go into a whorehouse and pay for a kiss so many times. I, I can't go to a bar <laughs> and, 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 and buy pop so many, I, so many times. Yep. So at the end of the day, I only surround myself with the people that are also on the same path as me or have the same goals as me. Um, you know, my boyfriend that I'm dating now, he drinks sometimes, but he doesn't have alcohol in the house. He never has really. Um, you know, he plays softball. If he drinks, he has a couple and then we're done because he's a social drinker. Right. <laughs> I still like look at him and I'm like, you only have like two beers. <laughs> you don't want like the rest of that case, you know? And he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, whatever. I mean, if you only want to have two beers, that's fine. But you know, to me, I'm like, I don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> but I've, I've decided to surround myself with people who are not addicts because I can smell you. I know 
who you are. I know I will talk to you. I will be your friend. I will help you if that's what you want. But the people that I surround myself with on the daily, I've decided that if I know you're an addict, if I know that all you do is go to the bar, I don't want you around. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's fair. And it took a while for me to realize that the number one thing I had to realize is that the people that were around me while I was in active addiction are not my friends. Yeah. Yeah. None of them are here. Not one friend that I used with. Am I still friends with? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't hang out with people who um, go to racetracks. I don't care about race car driving. I'm not interested in it. I'm not judging people who want to go do that, but I don't want, I'm not going to be friends with them. Right. They're not going to be friends with me. We don't have anything in common. Um, exactly. So I, again, it's your story, Sydney, really, I think highlights the fact of, of what we're really most interested in with Daily Dose, which is cutting through the crap of shame <laughs> yes. and, and silence around addiction. Yes. Addicts aren't bad people. They just, no. They're just on a path that A, is not a particularly um, useful path, and B isn't for a lot of people. So, so I, I just, I, I'm so, I'm so humbled to hear your story and to, and to listen to you at such a young age, really earnestly working through this, because I think, boy, it was hard for you at 47 yes, it to was. admit some of this stuff. I can't imagine doing it at 28. 27. You were 27 when you got sober from alcohol. Yeah. You know, and I, I think having conquered a drug addiction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think regardless though, any age, it's very hard, you know, at a young age, it's hard because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm only this young. And then at an older age, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm this old. And, and now I have to do this. You yeah. know, I think there's kind of like two sides to that, you know, the older you get, the less time you have, the younger you are, the more time you have. So then you, you know, it's like, did I really mess up my life this young? Mm. Or, or then, you know, you're, you're 40 some years old and you're like, I've been doing this this long, you know? And, yeah. and it's, it's one of those things. And we all face it at different points in our life. You know, some people don't even become addicted until they're in their thirties or, yeah, or until they're in their forties yeah. or, you know, something in, you know, and, and like you said, alcohol, alcohol is one of those things, man. Everybody thinks that anyone can do it. It's fine. You know, you're fine. Just take a weekend off. It's, you know, and, and that's really disheartening um, to hear sometimes, especially, you know, when people are like, are you sure? Are you sure? And it's like, leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing yeah. we push on people for sure. Well, Sydney, anything else you want to share with this listening audience? Your story has just been incredible. Yeah, it's, a, it's a pleasure to listen to it. Thank you. You know, I just, I just want everyone to know that it doesn't matter how many times you relapse or how many times you need to pick yourself up. Um, do it. Pick yourself up. Yes. Um, you, you know, we are promised a relapse. You can relapse whenever, but you're not promised another recovery. 
And that's something that I think a lot of people need to know is that you can go relapse at any time. You can be sober and your relapse is guaranteed. Um, but recovery is not. And, you know, what's on the other side of recovery is more powerful and more beautiful than anything that is inside of addiction. I've, I've said before, uh, my best day high is still not nearly as good as my worst day sober. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I, I will take my worst day sober over my best day high any day Yeah. or drunk, you know, honestly, because it's just not worth it. Mm. Yeah. It's not. Well, I hope we get to meet sometime when I'm down in Wapton visiting my dad. Yes. Yes. I, I will let you know when we're down, <laughs> when we're down next, Sydney, I will go get a ice cream cone or something fun. Yeah, we'll have to. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank yes. you so thank much you, for sharing you, your you. story with thank us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and for having me here. It's been a pleasure. I just I love what you guys do and keep doing it because, you know, more people need to know that you people like you are here, people like me, you know, and the people that you talk to, we're here, we're around and the addict that is still suffering is not alone. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we really need to make sure that they know that, you know, so Absolutely. thank you for doing thank what you. you guys do as well. Well, it's gratitude all around, Sydney. Yes, it is. <laughs> it really is. All right. <laughs> Thanks so Thank much. You very much. Everybody Thank else, you. we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L.com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.